So what's up, Tim and Terrence Maiden, uh, here at the Hig Talks podcast. Uh, man, I'm excited to have you two here. A um, couple TCU alums, yeah. uh, guys I've known for a few years, uh, great guys. There's a trend in this podcast. I know everyone that's on it, so <laughs> haven't really had any strangers yet. At some point, we probably will. But uh, yeah, how are y'all today? Doing good. Thanks for yeah. having us. Thanks yeah. for having us. For sure. So as always, we kind of start with just like background. So tell tell everybody maybe uh, where you grew up, uh, kind of a little bit about, um, yeah, just wh- where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Uh, what are you into right now? And then we'll kind of start the conversation. Yeah, so we're products of Oak Cliff, Dallas, nice. uh, born and raised, uh, attended uh, Dave, David W. Carter High School nice. uh, in Oak Cliff, um, and then was fortunate enough to earn uh, athletic scholarships to play for the Frogs, TCU, Good frogs. and um, had a great experience kind of transitioning from you know, the inner city, uh, then going to, uh, you know, a college campus, uh, yeah. an affluent college campus like TCU. Uh, played ball there, lettered uh, all four years. Um, I finished my undergrad and graduate studies from TCU and then uh, entered into the uh, banking uh, field. And so I've been uh, doing commercial lending for the last 20 years, 20 plus years. Uh, hard to believe, you know, yeah. I'm getting old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, really been re- rewarding. Um, I'm, I'm involved in Dallas uh, for us lending. Took on a new role to help bring, you know, capital and resources to some some time neglected community, so uh, awesome. proud to take some leadership there. What so. bank? So I went Simmons Bank. Okay. Uh, when I first started out, I started at Frost Bank in Fort Worth. Uh, knew a couple of gentlemen there that was connected with, with TCU and nice. really afforded me an opportunity to uh, get into the banking world and really uh, provided me with uh, mentorship and some development. And nice. uh, took those skills, uh, went back to Dallas. I always had a desire to go back to home mm. uh, to to be a commercial lender and, and advisor to uh, business owners, entrepreneurs, and so uh, yeah, it's been a it's been quite a journey. Yeah. Uh, so awesome. it's been a good good experience for me. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you, Terrence? After your school? Yeah. Um, you know, I I went into commercial uh, real estate, mm. and so Tim chose the banking route. For me, I. I didn't know a lot about commercial real estate, honestly. Mm. So a big TCU alumni, Dale Ladner, actually introduced me to the uh, to the business, mm. and I I fell in love with it. Yeah. It was it was very difficult starting out, but you know I, I I've learned a lot. I started out at Omni Group, which is uh, ran by Dale, mm. and then I went over to Woodmont. Uh, Stephen Kozlik is the principal there, and that's sort of where I cut my teeth cool. in, in the business. I was there for about five or six years doing pr- primarily project leasing. Okay. And then ultimately got in on the development side while at Woodmont. Nice. And then um, did a short stint on the corporate real estate side. I was the VP of development at Panera Bread, uh, director of real estate at Panda, mm. and then got back on the development side. And so that's sort of what I've been doing the last – 10 to 12 years yeah. is, is really focusing on sort of urban uh, revitalization projects. So nice. we're, we're under construction with a major mall redo in Dallas, the old Redbird Mall. Uh, we're 
pretty close on a mall in Houston, uh, sort of an impact development project there too. That's sweet. So yeah, yeah, it's exciting. That's awesome. Well, you know, you're both obviously really smart guys. So let's back up to then, you know, growing up, home life, like was school and you know learning was that just like part of your family's culture? Was that something that like your parents really impressed upon you? Were you awesome students just all the time growing up, or is that something that just kind of developed later? Talk to me a little bit about like kind of early life growing up. What was that like? Yeah, I, I guess for us, I mean, we were really fortunate, Carter. We, you know, the community that we grew up in uh, was very close knit. Mm. You know, our our teachers was really committed and devoted to the development of their students. Mm. Uh, they would actually come to your parents' house, you know. <laughs> they would actually ring the doorbell. And so it, it uh, required us to be focused and yeah. uh, be accountable. And so, and it was it was emphasized over and over again. And um, when, when I reflect back over uh, some of the people that really took a time for us, uh, coaches, uh, teachers, you know, they would make us recite poems and, uh, uh, you know, do things unconventional mm. uh, just to develop character and, you know, this desire to expect more. And so yeah. uh, <clears throat> it was it was it was tough. You know, once you go to TCU and you see the amount of wealth there, right. uh, we thought we was doing pretty good. Did <laughs> <laughs> uh, we recognize not not so not quite. So yeah. uh, but but for us, the love. Um, the community, mm. uh, it was it was it was a very rewarding and uh, I guess impactful experience for for us. Yeah. yeah, and that leads in well to then. So then, like TCU, once you get there, so you have obviously really great close knit community when you're in, you know, early school, high school, all that stuff. Was that kind of a shock at TCU? Did you have that same level of support, or uh, yeah, what was that transition like? It, it was it was it was a difficult transition i think the other thing for us uh oak cliff especially the area we grew up in was predominantly african-american mm. and so our sort of world was revolved around the people that you you know interact with mm -hmm. on a regular basis so mm -hmm. from church to school to extracurricular activities it was all people that looked like me mm. and so coming to tcu was a culture shock and so i think trying to find my way mm. you know mm. uh in a different environment was was very challenging sure i think football was the common thread because it's something that we've done our whole lives and so we we invested a lot of, a lot of our time and devotion to just football uh, i struggled to make friends mm. at tcu i think a lot of it was probably my own insecurities mm. You know, not willing to go outside of my comfort zone mm. to, to meet people. That's one big regret. I think uh, TCU uh, in itself is, is a great institution, but it wasn't very diverse. Right. And so the people that were black were athletes. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're in our own little world. Mm. You know, fortunately for us, we played as a fraternity our freshman year. Right. And so that allowed us to begin to meet other people outside of the sort of the TCU world, too. Mm -hmm. uh, but the the thing that I probably appreciated most is that uh, over time, right, 
TCU kind of built a certain level of confidence where mm-hmm. I could relate to the black community. I could relate to athletes from different backgrounds. I can the, the, uh, relate to the white white people, you know. So it was it's sort of this melting pot, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for me personally yeah. that, that helped me out, especially within my career. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Tim, did you have some yeah, of the same I, struggles I was, with me? Yeah, I, I would say uh, it was an adjustment, as Terrence forestated, I think, uh, for its academic requirements, you know, being self-disciplined, realizing you didn't have the comfort of, of your parents or parental support and guidance. It was really a, a personal commitment that you had to make with yourself. You're going to be disciplined to go to class. Are you going to uh, be disciplined to do the study hours in order to progress and do well in itself? In school, and 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 and, and like any other student athlete, going into that environment, it was difficult mm. to adjust. Um, you know, I never would have imagined um, going to TCO when I signed that letter of intent that I would have two degrees coming out. Yeah, uh, especially looking at the first couple of semesters, I thought this, <laughs> I thought this is going downhill pretty quick. Uh, but I, you know, from a social standpoint, you know, we had a we had a. Um, uh, a football podcast that we and, and and you would think that you know since we departed from TCU like 20 years ago there will be some progress and I think the universe had become very intentional for us increasing their diversity but I think some of the student athletes still feel that alienation sometimes mm-hmm. uh, from the general uh, student population so yeah. uh, and, and we experienced that too we wasn't immune from that but um, I think like Terrence mentioned before I wish I would have had a little bit more uh, initiative mm. uh, to kind of step outside of just being a student athlete right. and getting involved in the social uh, community of yeah. the university. So, uh, but yeah, 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 absolutely. So it's super interesting, you know, me knowing y'all on the other side of that. Like, I would never say that y'all are, you know, slow to make community. If anything, y'all are like connectors of mm-hmm. community. Um, and, and so what do you think changed that? What started to change that to where maybe you felt more comfortable or to where you said, all right, now I'm going to be a connector. Was it just that you felt that when you're there? What, what was it? Um, <laughs> time, you know, yeah. and taking risk, especially professionally. Yeah. And I, as I mentioned earlier, I, I really struggled when I got into the business world too. And it was certain things I just didn't know. Mm. Right. And uh, it's funny now, but I mean, I would I would come to work with like these big slacks on with the with the real colorful yeah. shirts <laughs> and everybody in the office is looking. I'm the only black guy there. Right. Everybody <laughs> looking at me like, what does this dude have on? <laughs> you know, so I, I said, but I we I had. So, you know, I'm surprised I can be sitting in this seat because there are so many people sitting in this seat with me that yeah. poured into me. Yeah. Like, for an example, Pastor Horton, this is a, a guy that has a you know a church here, but he he opened a resale shop, hmm. like where he'll go get clothes from estate sales, yeah. and so he's like, man, you're in business now, you got to get a suit, yeah. And so he he basically gave us you know twenty suits for, from uh, estate sales, wow. but I was I mean I looked decent, yeah, nice, you know, nice suit, yeah. a nice suit, yeah. my first suit, business suit, you know, yeah. it was a hand me down. But at least I can walk into the office with a little bit more confidence, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think taking that step, the other thing, too, was will, being willing to put in the extra hours. So yeah. I realized that, 
in order for me to be successful, I can't get to work at eight and leave at five. So I, I showed up at five thirty six every day and would leave at like eight, mm. you know, putting in the extra work uh, so I could become more uh, knowledgeable because mm. knowledge builds confidence and you feel more confident talking to other people. And so as a result of that, you know, it it enabled me to network uh, and I, I can walk in a room and be with my head up high knowing that I'm right. not no, not really what the typical real commercial real estate guy looked, but I, I, I was confident in myself. Yeah. Do you think, uh, you know, growing up as you know young black men, did you feel like I have to work harder? I have to put in more hours because I'm I look different than most people in my industry, or or do you think it was more of just like a, hey, I learned this through my life and through my community, and I'm just gonna work hard. Yeah, I think the, I mean, that's a good question, Carter. I yeah. think the reality is um, there are certain biases, right, uh, that people carry with them, whether fairly or unfairly, uh, it's a reality, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think I was sharing with, uh, had to do a, I will say a convocation or a baccalaureate service mm-hmm. for a school in Dallas. And I shared with them how I got into banking. Uh, so my my degree discipline at TCU was sociology. I just had a minor in business. Really? Yeah, and the requirement for being in this banking program uh, for Frost was at least a finance degree (laughs) or accounting, right? Uh, So I went on the first interview and they was having this selection process for like four people from the area to represent the the, the bank for this market. And they, they, I didn't get accepted, so I was devastated. So I end up calling the HR person who was very friendly. Mm-hmm. Her name was Captain Broom. She's retired. And I said, uh, you know, it, could there could I have done something differently? Yeah. Uh, she said, no, everything went well. I was very pleased with you. She said, I would say, you know, not having all the credit and uh, accounting and finance background uh, hurt. So I said, is there anything, can I just go through the credit analyst program, mm-hmm. right? So... Of course, not going to make a whole lot. It'll right. be an hourly kind of deal. Cool. So I would get there uh, in the morning before the president of the bank would arrive. Mm. And I would wait until the very end because he had a long day. When he's leaving, we'll walk out together. Mm. A gentleman named Steve Boma. And did it all the time. He just saw me just continually working and developing. Uh, and even though I didn't have the qualifications, mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying, just the, the commitment and the desire and just demonstrating that I really wanted this. Yeah. Same thing with football. You know, uh, people get to observe that that this guy, uh, because of his, his discipline, his tenacity, mm-hmm. uh, he'll be successful. So that's how I landed yeah. in that field. So, yeah. Man, there's two things there that, you know, I think it's probably normal for y'all that's just not, like, ordinary. The first one is uh, – both of you having that like you know fortuitousness to say like all right i'm just gonna put in more time and i'm gonna like make that commitment to do it and then even just the humbleness to call back and ask the question of like could i have done anything differently a lot of people just all right that door's closed and move on to the next thing Hmm. like and i'm kind of pushing on the same issue like where where do y'all think that comes from in y'all like you both have yeah, so I'll tell you, we just did a research on some of our most successful producers and literally the only real indicator behind success is like grit and work hard. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like you can have every personality trait in the world, but if you don't have grit and you don't work hard, then mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, how, how do you think y'all, what makes y'all so unique in that regard? It's like, well, 
from a foundation standpoint, you know, I, I think seeing my my father mm. uh, worked really hard. Mm. Like he he would he'd be at work and, and leave the house. What did he do? Uh, he was at the post office. He just sort of worked. He started yeah. out as sort of like a, a postman, and then he, he worked his way up to where he was sort of like the regional manager at the post office. But uh, he he would get up around 4 a.m. and be out the door, and then, you know, he'll get off late, and then he invests a lot in, in our family. But I think so hard work mm. is one uh, that we saw from my dad and my grandfather. My grandfather was a business owner mm. uh, in, in Shreveport, and so I think it, that sort of work ethic was was sort of built in us. And I, I think the other thing too is um, college taught a lot of sort of foundational things that you know when I got when Stephen Kozak said I want you to join Woodmont, it wasn't because of my my education is really because I was a football player and you know the stuff that people take for granted yeah. like being on time yeah you know being disciplined you know uh being competitive mm. all those different things sort of gel together mm. and some people get it and some people don't I, right. I always wonder why some athletes really struggle after football to get you know back um Get either get into a career or get back acclimated to just just being a regular person. And I think for us, we, I say for me personally, uh, I think that sense of balance was great because football was important, but it wasn't everything, mm. right? Mm. Faith was important for our family, mm. you know. So that sense of you know purpose and balance made it a lot easier to have that, that level of focus going forward. Right. Uh, so it's like I'm going to have to put in work if I'm playing in the NFL. I'm going to have to put in work if I'm going to do commercial real estate. Yep. I'm going to have to put in work if I'm going to be a banker. It, it's all, it all requires work. Right. right. You know? right. So that's the deal. Yeah. And I guess for me, I mean, to add to Terrence, I, I wasn't – I wasn't like this prominent athlete, right? Yeah. Just, just fun, fundamentally, I, you know, in my mind, and I, everything that, uh, uh, so when I when I look at like how my my life is threaded together, mm. uh, when when I was in high school, I didn't start until my senior year, mm. and so, in everything I had to do, I felt like I had to compete harder to get there. So right. it kind of built this perseverance inside of me to say, hey, if I'm dedicated, if I channel all this energy to a common goal mm. uh, and put all my, 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 my devotion and time to it, yeah. you'll get success. It's like planting seeds when you make sacrifices. I was listening, you, may, you raised a good point, I was listening to a podcast this morning, Maxwell Leadership Podcast, talked about the same thing that uh, I rather pr promote people. He say rather promote people that have self motivation mm -hmm. and the grit, mm -hmm. because once they get elevated, it's going to influence everybody else around them. Mm -hmm. That same mm -hmm. same kind of, uh, uh, I guess, activity. Yep. And uh, sometimes you can pr promote people just based on hey they've been there a long time or they may be a little bit more talented, but they really don't have self motivation and they can bring down the morale. So, yep. you know, finding people, and I think us being together, you know, help, you know, being with your your 
we were highly competitive against each other <laughs> and uh, we criticized each other. Yeah. So, you know, we was yeah. really hard on each other and still is to a certain mm -hmm. degree, but not as much. Yeah. But uh, but I think it, it does kind of propel you and you see someone else making the sacrifices that and, and it kind of self motivates mm -hmm. you to say, let me do the same thing. Yeah. Putting that time. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, I can speak to like my own athletic life that actually those those times of failure and having to work harder not being the most gifted athlete in the world mm -hmm. like certainly uh, had an influence on on who i am today like I, I think in anyone's life i think most successful people you see there's some type of failure in there there's some mm -hmm. sort of barrier that they figured out mm -hmm. that right, i'm just gonna have to work harder i'm mm -hmm. just gonna have to commit i'm just mm -hmm. gonna have to keep doing it mm -hmm. and so i think it's cool just kind of how both of you found that you know individually and, and together yeah. and so you're doing those things you're in your offices you're both you know putting in extra time like so then how did you both go to that next step? Was it somebody just gave you a hand up? Was it you kind of, as you learned, you made some decisions that really set you apart? Like what was that next thing that like, okay, I got my foot in the door, I'm, I'm busting my butt. Mm -hmm. So now how did I get that next step for each of you? It's, for me, it's it's just one of those uh, weird things. So it's, uh, you know, the old saying, life is filled with swift transitions. Mm. Uh, it's, it's really true. Like you work hard, right? And then there's a, a swift yeah. transition to that next level. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I have those moments where it's just so embedded in my in my in my mind about uh, when the when to take that next step, mm. uh, and when was the time? And it just felt for me it was it was a still small voice say like now. Yeah. like move right yeah. and so from every from every sort of job launching my own company everything was that still uh small voice in it but when i made it, it was like swift yeah you know but you work really hard where you are i, I believe in the importance of blooming where you plant it like yep. if you if someone takes a chance on you you know put in all the work you can look for ways that you can develop and grow mm -hmm. and increase your capacity and then at the right time, you can you can elevate and go to that next level in your career. Yeah, yeah. Man, I think, and before we get to your part, man, that in and of itself is, is a skill set, you mm -hmm. know? And obviously there's there's a lot of like spiritual and biblical undertones to some of those decisions that you make and how you make them. And that's a big part of both of your lives, mm -hmm. obviously, is faith. But the, uh, the ability to identify opportunities, choose when it's the right one, when mm -hmm. it's the wrong one, and then again, also just that like stick to to say like, all right, this is where I am today. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be fully invested. I, I met with a younger producer today that was asking advice. And I said, man, you have to decide if you're all the way in on this or not. Because if you come to the office half committed, mm -hmm. everybody sees that mm -hmm. half commitment. Mm -hmm. And now you're not going to get any help from anybody because sure. no one wants to invest in somebody that's not invested themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so like that skill set and ability to identify the right opportunity at the right time mm -hmm. is, is again... Everybody doesn't have that. Everybody doesn't get that, you know? Yeah. I, so. I think the biggest thing, too, is uh, <laughs> it's an uncomfortable feeling. So anytime yeah. I start feeling uncomfortable, it's all <laughs> almost like a, can a cocoon yeah. uh, with a butterfly. Yeah. Like, if I feel like I'm in a place where I'm not growing yeah. or I feel like people are not investing in me or I'm not bringing as much value, mm -hmm. I feel like a shifting is happening, yeah. right? And so I try to be really cognitive of that. 
you know, I have a, you know, one, one thing that was funny to me was I, I remember, uh, I, I was, I was really fell on hard times mm-hmm. and, uh, I, uh, I was up to, I was receiving an award, like a major award and had an eviction notice on my door, Dang. uh, at my apartment. Wow. And I, I remember, and, but I felt like I'm in the right space, Yeah. you know, and it, it was sort of that wrestling, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, uh, burn the midnight oil. Uh, but then you just have this glimpse of where you want to be, and mm-hmm. it keeps you going, you know. Yeah. But then at the right time, you know, things shift. Mm-hmm. And so life has a, a very interesting way of, of, of like, leading you yeah. right where you need to go if you, can, if you can stay in the race. Dude, when I was coaching, I'll never forget this. Similar to your story, uh, I'm at Texas State. I'm the youngest Division One position coach in the nation. Everyone's patting me on the back. CBS Sports put out a deal every year that was the salaries of every public university coach in college football from top to bottom. And I was dead last. I saw, <laughs> I saw the thing and I was making, you know, whatever, I was making 27000 or something a year. And I'm dead last in the nation. And I remember that was one of those moments for me. Outside of prayer and consideration, everybody's telling me how awesome I'm doing. I see this list and I'm like, I'm like man. I see my buddies working half as hard as me right. and they're doing this. And that was one of the first things that started getting in my head about Man, maybe, maybe if I apply the same work ethic to mm-hmm, someone else, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then maybe that's the time that I should make a change. Mm-hmm, and I started sure. wondering what that change was going to be mm-hmm. and ended up where I am now. So I think that that's, uh, man, I think that that's super, uh, intuitive of you, helpful to remind people like they're listening that sometimes what it takes is just sticking with it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and having that, uh, that ability to look around and say, where else can I be helpful here? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. honestly at Higginbotham, some of my biggest successes have just been looking up and being like, we need this. So I'm just going to start doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask for permission to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to start doing it. Mm-hmm. Sure. And and then creating value there to where exactly. the company starts to see like, mm-hmm. man, he, they just picked that up. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Terrence just picked that thing up. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should just give him that title. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so. What about you, Tim? I mean, so obviously you're walking in and out with this CEO, or you're beating the CEO there, or yeah, the boss. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I think so. I think what's critically important is access. You know, mm-hmm. I think we was fortunate to gain access, mm-hmm. and it provides exposure. Yeah. And what do we talk about TCU? What do we talk about in the boardroom? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a very uh, observant person, so you know, I would look at people that I viewed as someone I wanted to emulate and model. Mm. Uh, and a few people come to mind. And I think what I was sharing again uh, this past weekend with some students is don't think college is the end of your learning. Mm. You know, Terrence and I, we very reflective individuals. We still read books. Um, you know, I'm still trying to hone my skills. And, and you can never cease to grow. Mm. And like you said, finding opportunities of how can I add value to an organization. And sometimes we limit ourselves to, hey, I'm confined to this position. And I never wanted to put myself, I'm, I'm just, this is my role, mm. right? I want to figure out how can I get to the very top. And having conversations with like CEOs and just taking time out to figure out what did they do? What are things that they're implementing in their lives, these disciplines, you know? Terrence and I, we're still big on trying to work out and stay active. Those things help with your mental mental psyche. 
uh, of dealing with stress that comes along with you know being in certain positions and sure. roles. So it's it's no just gain access and s- continued self development. I yeah. think it's critically important. So for sure, yeah. as you've now been successful, do you uh, do you continue to try to be that person that like I'm still not afraid to get in the weeds. I'm not afraid to do the roles that maybe aren't in my department or that are above me. Do y'all try to do that? I mean, or below me, I mean. You know what I mean? You have to. Yeah. Uh, I think it it keeps you humble. You know, it keeps you ground uh, uh, grounded. It it also uh, is a good reminder of never to get forget where you came from. Mm-hmm. And so, a part of that is our community giving and our willingness to give back mm-hmm. to the community that has given so much to us. And we we are equally passionate about sort of our community service. Uh, as we are our careers mm-hmm. and so that sense of balance again uh, you know I think helps us to be a lot more relatable with people mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and people are uh, when when you're successful you you become a role model uh, but people are, are looking mm-hmm. and people are seeing how you invest your money and your time and your talent and so if you if you could if you could do it in a way where it's it's meaningful right and purposeful mm. uh, I think it inspires people right yeah. and I, I, you don't do it just for that I mean we we give back because that's something that's been so ingrained in us uh, from our childhood on up and yeah. so it's just a part of the fabric of who we are uh, but I, I think it's been critical in our growth uh, yeah. because people people rally behind people, that seem like they're just really honest, and mm-hmm. you know they they are they're trustworthy. They they they're they're real. Mm-hmm. You know all those things are, characters are are really important. Yeah. In sales, I think authenticity is to me the the number one thing. When people ask me like, well, how do you do sales? I'm like, you don't ever have to talk yourself out of the truth. So mm-hmm. you know, be inquisitive. Try to find like ways that you can support and help people. Relate to people. Just be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't think it's really honestly that difficult. So uh, in that same vein of just how you two are super authentic to like who you are and your upbringing. And uh, so what point did you start saying, hey, we're already philanthropic. Like, let's form an organization, you know, like the Two Wins Foundation. I mean, how did y'all, what, what was the point? Y'all said, all right, it's time for us to really formalize this. Well, I think, I think Carter, you're right on it. And it's very Fund, fundamental and foundational. Uh, what, what we end up doing, it was birthed uh, in the living room of our parents' household. Oh, cool. Uh, we, uh, we wanted to kind of showcase the possibility of, of education and then getting connected to your profession quickly, mm. right? We didn't have that. I think my dad... Uh, was very a strong man of high integrity, uh, work ethics, uh, but he didn't he didn't go off to a four year college. Mm. He wasn't in the business circuit, if you will. Mm. That's something we had to learn on our on our own. And and even with his limitations, he was very supportive of us taking our our collective experience from TCU and then being in the inner city, and see how can we, we can leverage that to kind of uplift the next generation. And so that was really the premise behind starting the foundation two wins. Uh, we became a little bit more intentional 
uh, towards the, the end cycle as we begin to expand our reach. And that intentionality came from really uh, identifying, you know, more at-risk students, particularly uh, uh, males of color, because, uh, you know, if you look at the statistics uh, for as higher education, uh, they're the lowest population of, you know, college students. Mm -hmm. And then the attrition rate where they start and they fall out. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to address our field that backfill that gap, if you will. So um, the really we, we launched a program called Elevate where we take in uh, high school students, uh, take them to a college campus so they can get the college experience, uh, bring in influencers, business leaders uh, to expose about how did they get started. Because everybody's journey is different. Mm -hmm. And I think if people can witness that, hey, it's not really where you start, mm -hmm. right? It's kind of like the direction you're going. And if you can focus on where you're going, then what, what's behind you becomes irrelevant. Yeah. And so what we try to do is just say, hey, this is our path. Create your own. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's one for you. Yeah. And so we've been really motivated by the level of success of these programs. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, the only thing I would add to that is, you know, for me, when we launched Two Wins, I was at a place of sort of frustration with the church, mm -hmm. honestly. I felt like in, mini in, in ministry, mm -hmm. uh, I felt like uh, the church was more inward focused instead of outward focused. Mm -hmm. And a part of two wins was to be how can we be, how can we display uh, care mm -hmm. and a heart for a community uh, financially. Yeah, and so originally the vision was just to be donors to major organizations that were already doing the work, and it just evolved over time. You know, a lot of people. One of the number one questions I get: How do y'all get started with y'all nonprofit, and how were you able to sort of n navigate through? You know, it's been fifteen years plus that we've been doing this work, uh, and it hasn't been easy work. But I think it's being intentional. Uh, it's been willing to to make changes. Uh, making sure what you're doing is relevant, uh, that it's impactful. And so we've made adjustments as we, you know, been on this journey. And I feel like right now we're in a good space, but, you know, we we sort of transitioned, uh, we transitioned from two wins to the Maiden Foundation because I think to whom much is given as much is required. Mm -hmm. So this next level of impact, I think it's going to be incredible. Yeah. You know, I think as, as more doors and opportunities open, so should our impact yeah. grow. And that's awesome. So uh, speak a little bit more about Elevate. Like what, you know, you, you talked about, you know, bringing in, you know, influencers and leaders and um, what are some of like the practical, tactical things that you're teaching these young men? Yeah, I mean, so the one thing that that's interesting is that the program has really grown. Like, uh, it, it started out, I mean, we, we said, okay, we're gonna be very conservative. We're just gonna take in 30 guys the first summer. Uh, and it went well, but it, we spend one week with these guys and we're teaching them everything from how to tie a tie to a proper dinner etiquette, mm -hmm. um, how to uh, network, how to go shake hands. These guys come in not knowing each other yeah. not being in that sort of business environment. And we have some honest conversations. I mean, the probably the most impactful component about it is the mental health side 
uh, also like the exposure and with some of the speakers that have come in. Yeah, uh, it's been really encouraging. The last time we did it, we had over three hundred young men to apply. Wow. Uh, and so it shows the need Dude, that's for it. Crazy. Yeah, it, it shows. Yeah, it shows is that all it, in Dallas. All in Dallas. Wow. We had guys traveling from different states to come. Wow. Uh, and how, so how are y'all? How do people know about it? How are they learning? It's through word of mouth. Like wow. it's sort of grown organically. Dude, and that's so, crazy. Uh, Three hundred kids. We, we, the the next the next evolution of of elevate ideally is to. Uh, see how we can make it even more like impactful. So we're trying to do a, like a big male conference where we can have sp- phenomenal speakers from across the, the country to come in yeah. and pour into these guys. But uh, the one thing I would say is uh, just organically, these guys have built sort of a fraternity with each other mm. and they become friends uh, and cool. they, they lean on each other and we get countless of e- countless emails each summer like hey just checking in yeah. you know where we can get an internship so it's it's been uh, it's been cool. real refreshing man send those kids here and we're always looking for good interns and yeah uh, you know that's actually a, a big push that we've made is to uh, how do we expand our reach how do we diversify our mm-hmm. reach uh, actually in this last year is the first year that we're recruiting at HBCUs for the first time that's awesome. so so we've really made some pushes here with the work of our culture committee and our HR department. And, and so, uh, man, send those people here. We actually have 20 interns that are here right now. Which oh, wow. Cool. Uh, so those are folks taking up all the parking. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, man, that's so cool. Um, so what, like, right now are you all most excited about in your lives, whether it be career personal the social side like what, what what gets you up every day right now what makes you excited well you know i'm really excited uh two of my kids are in college just to see their growth and I'm looking for internships and stuff yeah. like that that's cool uh so it's on the personal side i think two wins yeah two <laughs> wins that's right uh almost i can see the home stretch yeah. you know <laughs> but uh the uh other thing too is i think really grateful uh, for the journey. Uh, sometimes people see where you're at right now and they don't know the process mm. to get there. I think now, uh, hopefully, you know, that uh, hopefully considered that uh, as I begin to expand, there are some things that I'm looking to do personally in my career that to create even deeper impact. Yeah. I realize that you know our community uh, is still a social economic divide there. I think that one of the things that we really don't talk about that we should more is that we've been really focused on trying to bridge that, that gap, if you will. Uh, we had a program or an event uh, about a month ago called Refresh that was through the Maiden Foundation really identifying young professionals from different cultures and background mm. and understanding there's a common goal, a common vision to bring unity to mm. the community. And even though someone's journey or life experience is different from yours, you still can learn from them. And it's all about perspective. Mm. I'm learning more now to, instead of sitting on the opposite side, maybe sit on the same side of the table as an individual to see how they're looking at things. 
And if you really, you can't really lead effectively until you kind of humble yourself to do that because you have this, uh, you know, just innate thought to say, the way I look at it is the right way. Yeah, some inherent bias there. Yeah, inherited. Mm-hmm. And so I think the more you can become desensitized to your experience, life experiences, and becomes, you know, empathetic to other people, mm. then you can really create change. Mm. And I think I think I think our culture and society is moving that direction. Mm. And that's my goal. I really want to be a thought leader. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not about a role in the position, just figuring out how can I create change for other people. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, a lot, echoing a lot what Tim said. I, I would I, the one thing is I felt like, you know, I, life has different phases, right? And so leaving out of out of out of college, I found my purpose. Mm. Right. So I found my purpose in my career. Uh, I've been on this journey. I've been sort of trying to find my way. Mm. Uh, and then in this season, I want to find my voice. Mm. Uh, I want to uh, not only uh, do work that's meaningful to me personally, mm. but how can I amplify that work to be a voice for the voiceless? Mm. So how can my work speak for an entire community? Yeah. And so with some of the development projects that our company is focused on, how can we uh, creatively tell a story uh, and move a nation, really, from sort of this racial divide, uh, sort of the uh, uh, inequities that are uh, prevalent in black and brown communities? How can we be, be able to bridge that divide access to health care, mm. access to grocery stores, to jobs, housing, yep. and solve needs. And yep. so, you know, that's that's my hope. Uh, like, in my journey right now, mm. that's sort of what I've been f- focusing on. I'm authoring a book right now nice. to help tell a story. Um, you know, I think some of the projects that our company is, uh, is endeavoring to take on yeah. uh, speaks to that, too. Cool. And so that's what I'm most yeah. excited about. That's awesome. The, uh, you know, something that y'all said there as we get close to the end of this that uh, kind of resonated with me in terms of uh, like even the industry that I'm in is, you know, when you talk about like exposure, uh, whether that be like majority culture, just kind of knowing or it be affluent culture, just kind of knowing like, you know, when we talk about insurance, for example, one of the things we often talk about in here is that people think insurance and they think like states, state farm salesman or something. When we talk about like at our company, you could be in finance, you could be an accountant, you could be in IT, mm-hmm. you could be, you know, there's all of these jobs that uh, unless you grow up maybe in an affluent community where mm-hmm. you've seen other people with those jobs, you don't even know that that job exists yeah. at our company. Yeah. You know, like, and so part of what we've seen in our role is that we have to do a better job of educating people. It's like with our interns that come in now. We're like, you're not in one department. You're going to rotate departments the whole time <laughs> Very you're here smart. so that you can get some exposure to there's a lot of different jobs here. Mm-hmm. And so you may say, like, well, I'm not a salesman. Great. We don't only need salesmen. You know, <laughs> we need a lot of other things uh, to, to keep this machine going. And so uh, when you look at, you know, maybe it's the insurance, maybe it's financial services. What do you see that, you know, maybe businesses could be doing differently 
to create more of the exposure, to allow more of the opportunities like you're both speaking to? I, I can speak to, you know, financial services and insurance. I mean, it's kind of same thing. You're providing needs, right? Mm -hmm. I think <clears throat> the more you can highlight the benefits of, you know, what, what you're selling and promoting, um, you know, when I look at insurance, it's something you can't see, but you need, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, so insurance, you're covered, right? Yeah. So now, and, and, and it becomes, become necessary when there's a crisis, right? Right. And right. so people don't understand the benefit of it. Mm. You know, you can sleep better when you have insurance, yeah. you know, it's give you comfort and peace. Uh, so I think, I think, you know, just promoting some of those benefits, I think it's critically important. I think certain, certain communities, you know, sometimes for its affordability, they don't mm. understand the importance of it, whether it's health, whether it's uh, property, whether it's life insurance, these are the conversations we try to have all the time because yep. it puts them uh, in a worse position when they don't have right, it, right? right? And so I think it's just that continual education, mm -hmm. uh, the value of it uh, is it's important as well. Yeah, and, and that touches not only, you know, so obviously there's the how do we create more exposure for communities to understand what jobs exist in these markets? Mm -hmm. And then also some of that is, you know, like, in my upbringing, I grew up in Dallas Highland Park with a wealthy family. Like there was a lot of financial uh, knowledge that I just gained through watching. Mm -hmm. I just inherently kind of knew. And so I, I find myself in a role now where, you know, I'm enrolling a company with a lot of low income individuals. A lot of the conversations I'm having are about, you know, simple risk mitigation about like, how much do you have in savings? If mm -hmm. this happened, how would you handle mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want you to be insurance poor. Don't enroll mm -hmm. in these things. Mm -hmm. These things aren't going to help you. But mm -hmm. this one is important, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I see my job as I have a real responsibility mm -hmm. to, to help advise people and make good decisions mm -hmm. about their financial world. And obviously everybody's got different risk management. But, yeah. What, what about you, Terrence? Where do you feel like, and, and you don't have to just talk about insurance or just financial services. Maybe it's in the real estate world. How, how could more exposure be created? Or, or what do you see as like a need or education or? What I'm discovering is that uh, the workforce is so different now and it's changing even more, you know, post COVID, mm -hmm. right? And the things that uh, young talent is looking for is much different. So I, I'm talking more so internally like, yeah. with, with different organizations. I think the leadership team has to be very engaging. Uh, people want to work in an environment where there's culture there. Uh, where there's creativity, where their voice matters, yeah. you know, uh, all those things are, you know, very important to attract, you know, talent and to keep them there. Mm. Uh, I think what you all are doing is very creative with the podcast, you know, thinking of things outside the box mm. uh, really keeps your, your team uh, enth enthusiastic about where, where you're going as a company. Right. Right. Uh, externally, um, being willing to take risk. Like the one question I ask my team each 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 Monday is like, what is it that we don't see? Mm. Like it's always what's obvious your day to day work. Yeah. What what can you be focused on that could be a game changer? Right. You know, but it's outside the box. Right. You know, because sometimes you just operate in your own little world, yeah. uh, and you don't take the time out to just take a breath and just like take a real good 
peripheral view of what's happening not only within your industry but within society Mm -hmm. and how can you address that need yeah that's really good we we have a saying and i've stolen it from my church is last 10 percent. so like when you're in a meeting typically people say 90 percent of what they're thinking and they kind of hold back 10 percent of their thought because they're like i'm not sure how this is going to get received or whatever so at the end of my meetings i always try to ask like all right last 10 percent. somebody have something that you were thinking that you didn't want to say is there some idea you have that you're afraid of presenting? Like, let's present that. Let's <laughs> talk about the last That's 10%. Good. All right. So, you know, you've built, you know, successful businesses individually. You've built uh, a nonprofit foundation that's done well, Elevate Academy and everything that's come from that. Let's say that I'm a young businessman or woman. What's your advice? To, like, where do I start? Like, what do I do first? What, what would you tell somebody? Well, I guess I deal with it day in and day out. Um, I, I would say have a plan. I think, and business plan is good for a, a banker, or a lender, or someone, an investor, but it's really more beneficial to you. Mm. Kind of figure out counting the costs, uh, the sacrifice required. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, figuring out what are some of the opportunities, some of the threats. You know, the SWOT analysis. Yeah. We all been through yeah. business school and understand that. But I, I do think it's critically important. Uh, in having uh, businesses that done well mm. and some that didn't because, you know, majority of business that you launch, it, it fails. And I like what you talked about. It's nothing wrong with failing, right? It's learning from those, mm. those events in your life. Mm. And so I would tell you just have the tenacity, uh, try to be as resourceful as possible. There's a lot of, lot of uh, uh, banks, bankers, uh, nonprofits, community development corps that's there to support emerging companies and people that want to be an entrepreneur. A lot of resources out there. I say tap into that, but also when you go to them, have a vision casting or uh, some kind of plans of how you think you're going to get there and really kind of vet your product and see whatever you're trying to deliver, whether it's a service or a product, is it viable? Uh, does it make sense? Is there a gap or void in the market for it? Or are you just competing with someone else? Mm-hmm. You know, so those are the things you got to consider. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, I think Tim uh, sort of hit on sort of the, the strategy around it. I think, you know, one, one, one thing that I encourage people to ask this question, does it hurt? Right. Mm. Uh, it, are, are you the ages? Are you really, really hungry for it? Yeah. Right, because some people say they want to do something, but they really don't want to do it. They right. just it looks cool. Yeah, uh, you know, if you really want something, you'll right. do it for free. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so, in it, the you is it is it urgent? Like, is this a are you fulfilling a need that could be addressed right now? Mm. That you're going to differentiate yourself in the marketplace, and then the R is it is it relevant? Like, is what you wanted to do? Is it is it really relevant to you? And to the your consumers or to your to, to your industry, and then lastly, you know, is it is it something that's tangible, right? Is it something that if you put in forth all the effort and all these other things align, will it, it could it still happen? Yeah. But some people are going down this path that's sort of so far reaching that they they get discouraged and they quit mm. uh, because they set unrealistic expectations and goals. Yep. So, yep. you know, to keep those four things in mind, but I think everyone has their own path. Uh, it's, it's sort of just like getting on that journey and, and going. Right? Yep. Yep. 
yeah i mean like once the sexiness of the idea yeah. or like some certain industry that you want to get into once that falls apart mm -hmm. that's where you see so many people just they quit yeah. and they move on and I, I try to remind people all the time some of the uh and all three of us honestly are in you know similar positions in this regards some of like the sexiest jobs in the world some of the ones that pay the best aren't that sexy. sexy right? you know, it's just like some pretty tactical, <laughs> practical work yeah, that has exactly, to happen. Exactly. You know, like you want to make a great living, maybe look at the things that everybody else doesn't want to do because there's probably right. a thousand people yeah. that will do that job for free. Yeah, <laughs> so, like the summertime HVAC guy, you'll pay him a 500 yeah. bucks real quick yeah. to get it fixed and going. Yeah. So, you uh -huh. know, a lot of people forget the technical skills. They always feel like you gotta be in a professional setting, but yep. sometimes being an entrepreneur is just stepping out, being a plumber mm -hmm. or having yeah. learned some other trade, mm -hmm. they can do very well for yourself. Man, and in so, this insurance world, you see, you know, you work with so many different businesses. Dude, I'll never forget. <laughs> One of my clients is a waste management company. And I remember when I first started working with them, I was like, you make what? You make how much money doing that? <laughs> like, and I'm like, how did you build that? He said, man, I just bought one truck for myself. Yeah. And I just bought another one. And I started hiring employees. And I'm like, you know, there's so many of those jobs that I'm like, it doesn't take, every job doesn't take a four-year degree. Mm -hmm. It just takes some some hungry, mm -hmm. you know, and Absolutely. some, all right, mm -hmm. I'm just going to do this task. Right. Mm -hmm. So exactly. anyways, uh, in that same vein of of uh, entrepreneurs and, and young business people, you're both former athletes. We live in a really unique time of the NIL right now. To where you've got some some young men and young women that have a lot of money getting thrown at them or businesses approaching them about being involved in their practice i think you've probably already had the opportunity to speak at some schools about this what advice are y'all giving to people in this uh, crazy nil time that we live in i, I guess I, I, a couple of things i think be selective about who you're inviting in your circle and who's advising you i That's think good. a lot of a lot of athletes make that fatal decision mm -hmm. uh, when they go broke a lot of times uh, it's the wrong people yeah. in their ear and managing your own expectation of yourself sometimes people throw money at you and then you feel like you're invincible you're more than other people and uh, it can be a real turn off mm -hmm. um, I think the last thing I teach a course at UNT Dallas uh, ethics and I don't care how, how successful you are. I don't care what level you get to. And in our course, we talk about repeatedly, people that CEOs, and it's, it's that danger of being in that position where, where now you're invincible or you don't like dissent. You don't like people going against your voice. Mm -hmm. It's a very dangerous spot to be in. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. We see other people making the same mistakes over and over, and we kind of get in this tidal wave, and we find ourselves in that place. And so when you start attaining a lot of success, you have to manage your morality uh, with money yeah. <laughs> because the both of them could be very dangerous, and they kind of go against each other sometimes. Yeah. So Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, I, I would say just to, as an athlete, to, to trust the the process you know like i think like um the danger of the nil is is seeing people just do make decisions based on just financial gain mm. and as tim mentioned i think that's just a, a dangerous decision because i mean you don't have any sort of loyalty to a university right uh and, and athletics is very short-lived mm. And so 
don't burn the bridges that you have to eventually cross, yeah. you know, back over one day. Um, and, you know, to do everything with integrity. Yeah. Um, so that would be just my sort of my initial thoughts. Um, you know, it's it complica- it complicates the whole athletic departments too because now you, you know, one of the dangers that I'm hearing is that, you know, college coaches are not even recruiting high school players no- anymore. I mean, they're recruiting from other universities, you know. Right. And so uh, I think athletics is just going to change so much on the co- on the collegiate level. And so I hope it doesn't take sort of the fun away from the game. Right. Mm. And it complicates that decision, too, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, it used to be about, is this school a good fit for me? And do I like the coaching staff and facilities, that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Now, and a lot of the coaches that I talk to say that, and now it's like just a money conversation mm-hmm. and the kids missing out on like on the education is this coach even the right oh, but fit even for the me? education is yeah. the school the right fit for yeah, me exactly. yeah, I was I was gonna say I think if you're not careful you're gonna see a lot of people making a lot of sac- and you know you do it in athletics at least you walk away with a degree right yeah. now you're gonna see people I hate to say it but university they make a lot of money and sometimes they exploit the players yep. for that season just for the wins and the championships and then these students, once the money runs out, they don't have any education to fall back on. Uh, they don't have any investments. And then they pretty much dedicated and got all this stuff, the glimmer and the glamour of it, and then walked away with nothing. Yeah, yeah and I, no. I, and I don't want to interrupt you, but I think you hit on something really important. The 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 real concern I have is more the, the school, that are, uh, the kids are coming from urban communities, mm-hmm. right? So they don't have access to money. They think about their families back at home. I'm just going to take the best deal, financial deal, and mm-hmm. they lose sight of the education component of getting a degree or even what college they, where they want to live at long term. Right. You know, uh, and sort of building that sort of uh, level of trust and, and loyalty around that university. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it could be a detriment to these athletes. You know, yep. that's, I mean, I, that's what gives me the most concern. Actually, I think some of the, the, the kids that are that, that that are coming up from these, you know, level of poverty or they're, they're athletic, but then they don't have that sort of support system that's telling them the right thing to do, uh, which could be uh, really complicated. I'm going to add one thing to it. Think about it. The reasons that Terrence and I are sitting in this seat, it's not because of our athletic ability, mm-hmm. because we had a strong TCU network that supported us. Right. And so when you start going and hopping from school to school chasing dollars, you don't have that you don't have that allegiance <laughs> and people don't feel it anyway. Right. And so with they they'll be more apt and apt to help someone that was really committed to the university, may may not have been a standout money person for the, for the team, but loved the university because that individual that have influence within the community loved the university. Man. It's so strong. I, I used to tell my tight ends at Texas State all the time. In this college athletic scenario, somebody's going to get taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Either the school is because you do everything possible mm-hmm. to, you know, use all those scholarship dollars yep. to build every network opportunity you can, or you're going to get taken advantage of. That's really good. And they're going to bust up your body, yeah. and then they're going to put you out. <laughs> right. You know, and so, man, I, I when you're an athlete, you know, y'all know Marshall Newhouse. Mm-hmm. I, I, Marshall does a great job at this. We talk about it all the time. I'm like, people will take meetings with you now mm-hmm. that they won't take them with right. you the day that you're done playing. <laughs> so while you're playing, take every meeting you can. Yeah, like, ingrain yourself in that university, mm-hmm. in that network. 
because you know the chancellor will do stuff for it's you the teachers exactly. will do stuff exactly. for you absolutely you know because you're playing on saturday mm -hmm. but think about it card i'll leave with this when we graduated from high school we had 18 guys to get d1 scholarships wow if i look back over and just reflect on the guys that's really connected to the you can tell the guys that was connected to the program right could they afford you opportunities mm -hmm. yeah that sometimes maybe undeserving but they'll take a chance on you because of it. And you see other people that's more committed to the high school and stuff, and they're still in that same environment and right. kind of stuck. And so we see it repetitively. And I think we need to start talking about that more, mm -hmm. especially with all these things that's happening now with the collegiate sports. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, you know, we're talking about a lot of change in, in industries. Uh, when you look at the insurance industry, which is, you know, I'm sure both of you have to deal with it in different regards for both of your jobs, what would you say, and maybe it's specifically to some of the underserved communities, what would you like to see change when it comes to insurance industry? It's interesting. I think uh, I think a lot of stuff now, we're in a inflationary kind of market, but affor affordability. I serve on a board for a nonprofit, and we're looking to bring in another executive director and we having these conversations about health benefits and insurance mm -hmm. and you know for smaller organizations and companies uh how how, how are uh insurance agency addressing those gaps yeah. i think it's critically important um i deal with more small businesses as yeah. opposed to corporation where they have you know the resources and the capital to make sure everybody's fully covered and stuff like that yeah. but what about this, you know, entrepreneur that's starting out, you know, do y'all have products uh, and plans and programs for those different sectors yep. of, of the market? So, Man, and honestly, so this is kind of a tidbit on, on health insurance and the insurance industry in general. Uh, insurance is actually one of the least diverse uh, industries in the United States. Uh, it's over 90% white and mostly male. Um, so, you know, that's something that we've seen uh, in working with uh, different organizations and there's even um, you know some nonprofits that are working to try to bridge that gap mm -hmm. and I think that when you have a primarily white male run industry then you end up inherently with some underserved communities because they don't have a partner that looks like mm -hmm. them or that understands their mm -hmm. background mm -hmm. to help them bridge that gap to say this is what my demographic actually really needs right mm -hmm. and I think it's important I think it's a struggle for, I think, in uh, commercial real estate development, uh, financial services. Uh, we we need to bring more diversity uh, to to these different s s sectors of of the market and industries because if there's no representation, you fully don't understand some of the needs and and there, there's I say needs, but there's really opportunities there, yeah. and it's just trying to be creative and how do you deliver those services and being intentional and from financial services, all about trust. Yeah. And insurance is one of those things too. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people have been victimized by, you said, over-insuring people and mm -hmm. putting a lot of fees and premiums and deductibles uh, just make it really, really cumbersome for them to even want to pursue it. So, you know, adaptability, you know, exposure, I think all those things are really helpful. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right, one more time. Where do we find both of y'all? Give us your, your handles for uh, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Yeah, uh, so Maiden Foundation, um, uh, maidenfoundation.com. I'm also on Instagram, TG Maiden. 
uh, on Instagram and cool. on Facebook, Terrence Maiden. Cool. Same Tim Maiden on Instagram, IG, and Facebook. Awesome. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thank All you. Right, I appreciate thanks for having us. Yeah. Yep.